lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV. Radio and podcast, Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can let us know what you think about what we think as well by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel as well at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And don't forget, Christmas is just around the corner and you know what I want. I want my kids to be happy this Christmas and frankly, that's entirely up to you. Do your part. Pre-sale is underway right now for my new book, A Nefarious Carol, the novella sequel to A Nefarious Plot. You can do so right now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com. Thanks to all of you that have ordered your pre-sale already. It releases on December the 15th, just in time for Christmas. And there is that creepy, beautiful cover. A Nefarious Carol dropping on December the 15th. We have a jam-packed show in store for you today. But before we get to all of that, I have to announce some very exciting news. We have a new partner on board with the show. And it is, it's a product that has made 2020 somewhat tolerable. Built Bar is one of our brand new sponsors here on the Steve Day Show. Now, I didn't know until I was down in Dallas for the first presidential debate that like Glenn is big on these. I first heard about Built Bar listening to some college football podcasts that I like to listen to. And I mean, they were really talking this thing up. And I'm I'm constantly looking for a protein bar that both doesn't suck, but then that I can actually digest. Because a lot of the ones that taste great have so many fillers and everything else in them that I, I just I can't put all those chemicals in my body. My body rejects it. Blah, 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 blah. All right. And I finally found a protein bar at Costco that I can digest, but they do like six flavors and only one of them is actually good. And is it you, pumpkin spice? No, it's the it's the cookie dough one. Okay. Oh, well. But if you just keep eating that one the whole time over and over again, you get sick of it, right? True. And so I'm like, how can I get some variety that I can digest and actually taste good? And the hosts were just raving about this Bilt Bar thing. And I'm like, it cannot be this good. So I just bought a box with their promo code out of spite because that's how I roll. I'm like, I'm, there's no way this is that good. It's no oh, way. All I right. love the key to Steve's heart. Can we get him to be spiteful? Yes. So I just bought a box and I, you know, the first one or two, I thought these taste great, but then I just kind of waited for an hour or two and I thought, all right, let's just wait to see my system reject this, right? Never happened. And you guys know, I mean, I've been raving about these for the last few months here in the studio, have I not? Yes. I mean, I, I have them with me almost every single day, do I not? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I am very, very excited about this product. They are phenomenal and tons, and they did do a pumpkin flavor, man, and that sold oh, out, man. and they crushed it. They crushed it. What else is there to okay. say, really? 
But there's a lot of other great flavors as well. Peanut butter brownie. If you do the, if do you like almond joy, Mounds Joy candy bars? They've got a couple of coconut chocolate flavors that taste exactly like one of those things. I mean, they're really, really good. All right. So go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code DACE. All right. Promo code DACE. You'll get 20% off your first order. Trust me on this. You will not regret it. It's going to taste like a candy bar for about 150 calories and less than 10 grams of sugar. All right. Promo go promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. Get 20% off your order at BuiltBar.com right now. Promo code DACE. All right, jam-packed show here today. Coming up uh, a little bit later on, fake news or not. Also, Pop Culture Tuesday. One of our listeners has a question that uh, they want us to answer for Pop Culture Tuesday. So we will do that coming up a little bit later on when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. There, There is one fixture of American society that seemingly is immune to the reopenings that are happening everywhere else. And it's movie theaters. And we're to talk about why coming up a little bit later on. All right, we're to talk about a new book that wants to preview what life is likely going to be like if Joe Biden wins on November the 3rd, mob rule. And we'll get into that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to any of that fun and frivolity, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by day one of the Amy Coney Barrett hearings. There's a tendency in our profession to treat the practice of law as all-consuming while losing sight of everything else. With this nomination, equal justice under law is at stake. But that makes for a shallow and unfulfilling life. The right to a safe and legal abortion is at stake. Courts have a vital responsibility to the rule of law, which is critical to a free society. Yes, Judge, I think this hearing is a sham. But courts are not designed to solve every problem or right every wrong in our public life. You're scared, Judge Barrett. I believe Americans of all backgrounds deserve an independent Supreme Court. They're scared that your confirmation would rip from them the very health care protections the millions of Americans have fought to maintain. The policy decisions and value judgments of government must be made by the political branches elected by and accountable to the people. Millions of people will lose their health care. I might bring a few new perspectives to the bench. As the president noted when he announced my nomination, I would be the first mother of school-aged children to serve on the court. They've stripped the American people of their say in this process. I would be the only sitting justice who didn't attend school at Harvard or Yale, but I am confident that Notre Dame could hold its own And maybe I could even teach them a thing or two about football. They're scared that their government and their institutions will be manipulated by people who could not work through the democratic process to take away their health care. I would like to thank the many Americans from all walks of life who have reached out with messages of support over the course of my nomination. I believe in the power of prayer, and it has been uplifting to hear that so many people are praying for me. Nothing about this today is normal. This is not normal. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is mansplaining is dead. Long live mansplaining. Mansplaining está muerto. Larga vida a los hombres. President Trump held a rally in Florida yesterday. One thing with me, the nice part. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. 
I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and um, everybody. I'll just give you a big fat kiss. Before that rally, Trump supporters chanted CNN sucks as CNN's Jim Acosta did a live hit. And as this crowd is chanting that there are members of the press here who suck, I should also point out, Wolf, what also sucks, getting the coronavirus. Joe Biden is still saying stuff. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. I got in trouble when we were running against the senator who was a Mormon, the governor, okay? Yes. Uh, Gallup reported last week 56% of Americans said that they were better off today than they were four years ago, would have been under the Obama-Biden administration. So why should people who feel that they are better off today under the Trump administration, vote for you. Well, if they think that, they probably shouldn't. Well, their memory is not very good, quite frankly. Dr. Anthony Fauci is really mad after the Trump campaign used his own words in a campaign ad. President Trump tackled the virus head on, as leaders should. I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. It's so clear that I'm not a political person. What would you say if uh, I told you I heard that the Trump campaign was actually preparing to do another ad featuring you? You know, that would be terrible. I mean, that would be outrageous if they do that. Um, In fact, that might actually come back to backfire on them. Fauci was also asked about an uptick in excess deaths in the U.S. not labeled as COVID-19 deaths. Do you think that this is a sign that we are actually undercounting coronavirus deaths? Unless you can find another reason, which I can't think of, of there being these excess deaths in the context of coronavirus, you'd have to make an assumption that is reasonably uh, possible, if not likely, that those are deaths that are related to corona and they're just not being counted. Kanye West dropped his first campaign ad yesterday. We as a people will revive our nation's commitment to faith, to what our Constitution calls the free exercise of religion, including, of course, prayer. Through prayer, faith can be restored. We as a people are called to a greater purpose than ourselves. We are not only a beacon to the world, but we should be servants to each other, to encourage each other, to help each other, to lift up each other, our fellow Americans, that we may all prosper together. We have to act on faith with the sure knowledge that we are pursuing the right goals and doing the right things. We will build a stronger country by building stronger families. Families are the building blocks of society of a nation. By turning to faith, we will be the kind of nation, the kind of people God intends us to be. I am Kanye West, and I approve this message. And that's what happened while we were away. If you had Kanye West on your apostolic bingo card. I got to tell you. I didn't think you had pretty good odds. All right. I would have bet against you. But. Your ship is coming. Aaron's montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. So what does COVID-19 have to do with losing your home? Turns out it could be. A lot, uh, because cybercrime has gone up 75% 
since we have decided to live pretty much all of our lives virtually for the last several months. And it gets worse because that's also online where a lot of our home titles are kept at the exact same time. Cyber criminals know this, so they find the title to your home, forge your signature on a quit claim deed, do this all online, refile as the new owner of your home, and before you know it, you are off the title. They can destroy you by taking out loans, liquidating your equity, sticking you with the payments, and you may not find out until a late payment notice, maybe even a foreclosure notice shows up in the mail. Well, Home Title Lock can protect you from this. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title to protect your safe haven the minute they detect any tampering. They will mobilize to shut it down. And first things first, though, go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and then use the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection while you're there at HomeTitleLock.com. 30 free days of protection with the promo code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We are going to discuss that Kanye West ad in greater detail today in the overtime. So we will tape that after today's show. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, just hang out at blazetv.com slash dace and you'll be given access to that once it's up there later this afternoon. For the rest of you, if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, go to blazetv.com slash dace and become one for a discount so you too can watch today's overtime in every a piece of exclusive content we produce each day right here at Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash dace. If crotchety old Pat Leahy, who's, who makes Joe Biden sound spry in those clips that you had in your montage, Aaron, if crotchety old Pat Leahy, symbol of the patriarchy, up there lecturing the first mother of school-age children to ever become on the U.S. Supreme Court, lecturing her about what is and is not good for women. If that is not mansplaining, then the term is a crock and doesn't really exist. And that's all I've got to say about that. And then there's our boy Anthony Fauci. Ah, yes. You know, Debbie Burks was in Boston yesterday telling people to wear masks in their home. Hmm. She's still out there, guys. She's still out there quacking away. Anthony Fauci right now is all, hello, darkness, my old friend. I mean, he looks like he's going to cry. And yes, that makes me happy. Many of the things I have asked for for months are now occurring. Who knows? Probably too late, the way 2020 is going. But better late than never, I guess. And I got to thinking yesterday. I think we've learned some very important lessons this year. I I think there's... 20 things in particular that COVID-19 has taught us that should be noted, that we should be thankful for. First and foremost, always follow the science. Of course, unless the science conflicts with orange man bad, then don't. Just go with orange man bad instead. Screw science. Science is in your way. Number two, We learned that 
the virus only spreads at gatherings that affirm certain political narratives. It's a very, very smart, highly evolved virus. Third thing we learned, (laughs) turns out we were dumb to not be wearing masks for centuries every flu season, apparently. Like all of our lives in schools. Should have just been wearing masks every winter. Who knew? Oh, next thing we learned. We, we, can, we can now cancel all vaccine initiatives because our CDC director tells us that the masks are superior. And if you saw the news from Johnson & Johnson yesterday, people getting sick taking their vaccine in the latest human trials. It's fine. <laughs> this is good news. We don't need Operation, what is it, Warp Drive, Warp Speed? What is it? I don't remember. Okay. That Warp's we're doing. Capacitor. Yeah. Hey, thank you. We're giving billions of dollars to companies that haven't brought a single product to market yet. Whatever. I don't know what it's called. It's, it's Warp something. I'm giving it all she's got, Captain. Yeah, that's right. The lithium crystals. I don't know what we're doing. All right. Maybe that's why they got sick. We injected them with those. Operation right. Lightspeed skipping. Yes. But the good news is we don't need the vaccines because the masks are superior to the vaccines, except for the 85% of times we learned yesterday they were not, except for those times. Uh, Number five, we learned from COVID-19 that antibodies equal immunity if it's for a vaccine, but antibodies equal contagious if the patient's name is Donald Trump. We learned that this year. Uh, Number six, if lockdowns don't work the first time and there's a Wall Street Journal column today from an analytics firm that says at best all lockdowns did was not work but actually their data shows a negative direct correlation that the more you locked down the more you actually got the virus but hey if the lockdowns don't work the first time just just try it three more times just just keep on trying this next time the seventh time is the charm Yes, that's the old saying, right? The seventh time's the charm. I believe the math is yeah. alchemy plus necromancy equals lockdowns. Yes. I think that's yes, it. Yes, in- indeed. Yeah, They're so bad that now even the World Health Organization is like, you're so dumb for real. Now you know it's bad, all right? Um, n- n- number seven, the seventh thing we learned from COVID-19 this year, that mass uh, or that cases spiking during mask mandates... As you can see, this kept happening to the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Cases kept spiking after they initiated a mask mandate in the beginning of July. Well, folks, that can only mean, therefore, that um, you should um, keep doing mask mandates. You weren't wearing the mask long enough. Weren't wearing them long enough. Failure only means, when it comes to COVID-19, failure only means you keep doing what was failing. Harder. Uh, The next thing that we learned from COVID-19 is that masks work even better, as demonstrated here by future President Joe Biden. Masks work even better if you remove them to cough, touch them a lot. This improves their efficacy, again, as demonstrated here by President-in-waiting Joe Biden. Number nine, I think we also learned that the best science rejects established laws, precedents of immunology, virology, and biology, and just starts all over again like it's the 7th century B.C. That's what the best science does. 
So that's what trust the experts means. That's, that's ah, what it means, yes. Got it. Trust the Phoenicians. That's what it means. That's what trust the experts means. Trust the Sumerians. That's what it means. Uh, number uh, number 10. I think we also learned this year. I mean, who needs WebMD or an actual doctor for Twitter mentions is where true epidemiology is practiced in, in this world. Number 11. Every time Fauci was wrong or changed his mind, which was every time, it was clearly Donald Trump's fault, obviously. In fact, I shouldn't. I, I, I apologize for having to even restate this one. It's a self-evident truth. The 12th thing that COVID-19 taught us this year, that Debbie Burks has a future peddling Bedazzler, the face shield edition. Remember when she went on Fox News with her face shield and said, and you can decorate them? She didn't drop Bedazzler because, of course, she's conscientious of copyright infringement. But we all knew, those of us, those of us who know and are disciples of the glorious Bedazzler, it was a dog whistle. We knew what she meant. Uh, number 13 of the 20 things that COVID-19 taught us this year. Doctors at places like Harvard and Yale are stupid morons whenever they say anything positive about hydroxychloroquine. Because again, as we established earlier, that Twitter mentions is where true epidemiology is done these days. Uh, number 14, if not for skilled governors like Andrew Cuomo, even more nursing home patients would have died. Even more. Uh, number 15, we found out this year, courtesy of COVID, that vitamin C and D serve literally no purpose, none. As Robin Williams once said, uh, paraphrasing and impersonating Richard Nixon in the great film, Good Morning Vietnam, they're soft, shallow, and serve no purpose, right? That basically vitamin C and D are Richard Nixon's balls. They have no purpose on this earth. None. Uh, number 16. Herd immunity is only for kooks. And of course. We must stay inside until there's a vaccine that can bring us to herd immunity. Uh, number 17. COVID-19 was gracious enough to teach us this year that theoretical studies are actually superior, better than real-time data. We always suspected. Number 19. Uh, the best way to cure heart attacks. You know, Anthony Fauci was just talking about it. Can't understand why there's a 20% increase in excess deaths. And it can only be that we underreported coronavirus deaths. It couldn't have anything to do with the fact that we just told people for five months not to get anything with like heart disease or strokes or like anything treated. Couldn't have anything to do with that at all. Right. Of course not. Because it turns out that the best way to cure heart attacks and other ailments is to keep people away from health care. This stuff just disappeared. We could have just named it and claimed it. You can't go, so don't have it. Why didn't we think of that? And the final thing no, that you're we you're not going to cheat us. You, you skipped 18. Did I skip I 18? Need, I need all of them. Oh, my bad. Thank you, Todd. All of them. Th thank you. Yes. Number 18. My bad. I was so anxious to get to number 19, I skipped 18. 
But we've already learned that open borders cures pretty much all societal ills from both political parties. But in 2020, COVID-19 told us that the best way to prevent the spread of a dangerous contagion is to open your borders. Open borders stops the spread of a pandemic. Huh? And now, the final thing we learned from COVID-19 in 2020. If indeed the data doesn't reinforce your narrative, it's okay. Just keep waiting two more weeks. And two more weeks after that. And two more weeks after that. And two more weeks after that. All the way to say, I don't know. Let me just throw a dartboard at a date. Say November 4th. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I hate you. Just decided to come in and just take those fingernails and just scratch them right down that chalkboard, didn't you? I don't know. Why are you lifting, looking a gift horse in the mouth, <laughs> Mr. Erzin? Why are you not grateful? Why are you feeling not generous towards the revelation that you have been taught courtesy of COVID-19 in 2020? The secret Gnostic-like knowledge that you have been shown to let to bring you into the promised land of our new progressive age to come. You know, as the Catholic in the room, I've always uh, blanched a little bit at the whole uh, Galileo thing because it's it's made to seem as if it, it, first Catholics, but then now by extension, all Christians are some kind of flat earthers mm -hmm. and it was just so clear back then when if you care to learn any bit of the story it's a, at least a bit more nuance nuance than that and most people don't uh care to learn the story but whatever you think about it i see you and raise you steve list steve's list in the annals of history for flat eartherism without no sense of hyperbole we as a people have believed the biggest scientific fraud in all of human history, full stop. No doubt, because there's no science here. It's all politics. It's no science. It's none. I mean, I don't... I, did you guys see the video going around with Boris Johnson in the UK? No. I think he needs to be drug tested, straight up. Straight up, man. Straight up. That He's insane. He's absolutely insane. We, well, because we found three cases, uh, we need to lock every. I mean, he, this is insanity, and 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 a lot of it, Aaron, just comes from the this system doesn't want to admit it was wrong, and so it will just keep doing more and more and more and more. The people are just going to have to, on their own, say we're not doing this anymore. Well, this is a chicken or the egg thing here. Because is it the system that doesn't want to admit that it's wrong? Of course, that's the case. Or is it the people? Yeah. Is it the people that will not demand answers? Or Give me my are doomsday! More, are more than willing to believe the fairy tales. The fairy tales that the experts have been feeding us for the last seven uh, or so months. I put a picture in there, guys. I don't know if you noticed that, of the Michigan lockdown protest. What month is it? It's October. Mm -hmm. That was back in, I think, March or April. It was snowing back then. 
guys, that's that's how long <laughs> that's how long this thing. We just it this is our new normal, but it seems like more people than not are willing to just accept, "Oh yeah, that's our new our new normal. We're all in this together." And so I don't know, it's it's a chicken or the egg thing here. And I would like to think going forward in our country, you know, we talk about being able to tell our stories better because the left is very good at at telling stories and and pulling on the emotional heartstrings. But when we take COVID-19 and there's a complete, a complete and utter abandonment of reason and science, even if we can tell the story effectively of the nursing home seniors in Greeley, Colorado, who decided to do their own protest because they're sick of not seeing their family. They're sick of being locked away. Even if we could tell those stories effectively, can we long-term function as conservatives in a land without any reason whatsoever? Because this is what we're talking about. Can we function like that? I, I don't know that we can. We can tell the best stories that we want, but at, at least at some point, that's got to be grounded somewhere in reason. It has to be. And so I, it's the, the future right now is bleak. I wish this was a blip, but I think everything else that we've seen this year as well, all of the lies that we've fallen for as a people, I wish it was a blip, but I don't think so. You know, months ago, I, I said we're going to have to rename this virus Afghanistan. I have a maybe not as clever, but more appropriate nickname. Spirit of the Age. More in a moment. You know, we do lots of cool things for our pets these days. We take them for walks. We take them for runs. We feed them. We take them to the vet. We clean them. We love on them. Here's one other thing we could do for them. Uh, make sure they have the right nutrition because a lot of the foods that we can buy them in stores today, uh, those foods have been sterilized like a lot of the foods that we buy today. That's why we're taking so many supplements as humans. And that's why your dog could use one as well. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It is not a new dog food. So keep feeding the food to your dog that it already loves, but it is a premium dog food supplement that you mix in with your dog's food. And Apparently makes it taste even better. At least that's what we see from our dog cap. It's also, though, loaded with everything your dog needs. Vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, pre, probiotics, uh, omega oils, etc. All right. And if you want to make sure your dog's getting the best nutrition it can and you want to see if you don't see a, an improvement in your dog's vitality in, say, two weeks or less, uh, why don't you try the the Rough Greens Jumpstart Bag for just $14.95 and find out for yourself for less than 15 bucks. Try it for two weeks at roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Again, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Well, several years ago on this show, uh, we we talked about a book uh, written by a guy from your neck of the woods, Todd, up in the, the, the great state of Wisconsin, where he talked about what he had witnessed firsthand in the effort to unseat Scott Walker, after he became governor and tried to institute the reforms that he won his election on. And he coined a, a phrase to describe 
the tactics of these leftists in his home state that we've uh, referred to it several times over the years on this show. He, he coined this term a mobocracy, just watching their behavior. My, my buddy Congressman Chip Roy was tweeting about some of the uh, unruly behavior he received from Wendy Davis supporters. I mean, his kids did over the weekend because that's who's challenging him for his congressional seat down in Texas. And I tweeted back at him, hey, pal, you got off easy. They only lob some F-bombs at your at your kids. Wendy Davis supporters have been known to fling feces, tampons, and chant Hail Satan. Remember, they were doing that several years ago in Texas with some of those mobocracy tactics. Well, have you wondered, well, what happens if, oh, Joe, wins the election on November the 3rd? Well, that same author is back with a follow-up book called Mob Rule. And he joins us now here on the show. Jake Jacobs, brother, it has been a long time. It's good to have you back with us on the program. Jake, how are you? It's great to be back, Steve. It's an honor to be back. Give our audience, it's been it's been several years, Jake. What's your background? Tell us a little bit about you, first and foremost. Well, um, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching in some form or fashion in a classroom since 1978. I was in a public school for 23 years. Long story there is I defended Governor Walker, gotten a lot of hot water, a lot of attacks from colleagues. Um, now I'm presently in a private Catholic um, institution, academy, uh, not too far away from here. So what's fascinating about the your background in education is I think a lot of these mobocracy tactics, as you described them years ago, Jake, originated with these public sector unions like teacher unions, AFSCME, things of that nature, um, that they kind of mainstream these tactics within the Democratic Party. And now we're talking about, well, what happens if they win in November? Mob rule. What does it look like? Well, look. I love my country, as I know you do, and I know your audience does, but I've been quite concerned for a number of years, and there's been a crescendoing of this this mob mobocracy, or what I call mobocrats in my books, uh, where this has permeated the culture to the point now where it's being reinforced, not only in our schools and our culture, but it's in our streets. And I'll tell you, once Amy Coney Barrett gets uh, appointed to the Supreme Court, all hell's going to break loose to attack her heavenly values, there's no doubt about it. And if President Trump does win on on 11-3, you and I both know between George Soros and a number of other organizations, they're planning to attack this country throughout the major urban centers of America. And I think Americans should be prepared for that uh, inevitable (coughs) attack by the mob. Pardon me there, Jake. Um, Where do, where's this ideology come from? Uh, you point to Antifa, you point to um, Zin, Howard Zinn, you point to um, uh, Black Lives Matters and its Marxist roots, and you use the term leftist. The last few years on our show, I've talked a lot about how we're not dealing with liberals anymore. That's a term from the 80s and 90s. That liberals are people who want government to permit you to do things that God says is dumb or immoral. Leftists are different. They want government to compel you to do those things. Um, choice is is not a word in the leftist lexicon unless that choice is unilateral to choose to do what they think you ought to do, to believe what you think or they think you ought to believe. And use that term in your book as well. Talk a little bit about those things. 
Well, look, the origin of leftism, I argue in the book, goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, where man decided that he was going to be greater than God through Nimrod. But really, its manifestation is seen in the French Revolution, when the teachings of Rousseau, who denied the condition of the human heart as taught in the book of Genesis, uh, was a way where man began to worship the state. The state would solve all of man's problems, ushering in utopia. Uh, Marxism tried and failed. In the meantime, postmodern interpreters of Marxism have now turned that philosophy, that man-centered, state-centered philosophy, into a philosophy that wants to really deify the state at the expense of life and liberty. And unfortunately, these ideas that have been fleshed out uh, in our institutions um, are being manifested now in the streets of America because they've been uh, gestating inside of our classrooms for the last 40 or 50 years. It's become commonplace. In fact, just recently, who was this present uh, uh, mayoral candidate for Portland, she, uh, four or five days ago, she was wearing a skirt that had that uh, had Mao, Che Guevara, and Joseph Stalin on it. And when she was after, she was for Antifa. She says, I am Antifa. And she argued that Antifa and Black Lives Matter were pretty much the same thing, dealing with social justice, when in reality, they are the destroyers of reality, the destroyers of justice, life and liberty. But that's becoming commonplace within not only the culture in our classrooms, but within our cities across the country. I think now I think in the last year, more and more people on the right have awakened to what I'm about to say. But when I started saying this four or five years ago, a lot of them thought I was nuts. See, what you're describing, I believe, is not a political movement. You're describing a religion, okay? That this is, that what we call today leftism or progressivism, it is it is a manifestation, an embodiment of the spirit of the age. In other eras, you know, it was worship of the temple of Artemis. At, in other eras, it, the, you know, the church would encounter it and it was the worship of Caesar, Kaiser Curious or Christos Curious. It's had many manifestations and Baal worship, whatever you want to call it. And, and if you, in the Old Testament, the kings would often call themselves Baal dash something like Peor, meaning Lord. Okay. Like I've, I directly rule as Baal's representative, as, as, as the Lord, not just, not just a civic office over you, but over your soul, your, your religious expression at the exact same time. Then I think a lot of our churches are asleep on this because they don't want to get their hands dirty in, in partisan politics. And, and I'm even, I'm sympathetic to it because frankly, most of these Republicans, you just elect them to be speed bumps. They're not any good up against this other than they just stand between us. Us and them. They don't successfully push back on them at all. But the churches also don't recognize that this is the rival church. That if you went, if, if you took, if you were a missionary and you went to a tribal community, you wouldn't just ignore who the tribal chieftain is because he's your primary competition for the hearts and minds of the people. You'd want to know, hey, what did they teach there? What, what influence does he wield, right? You'd want to know who you're up against for the souls of the people of this community. In this community called America, this is the tribal chieftain. This is the rival religion here. And I think a lot of our churches just say, well, that's, that's just a, a partisan political expression and not our fight. No, the partisan political expression is the manifestation of the religious tenet faith creed that is behind it, in my view, Jake. 
This is why I love your program so much. You're a thousand percent spot on. I mean, it is a Weltanschauung. It, it, it really reflects the zeitgeist. So I've been warning my students. As you know, I travel the country speaking on these topics, working for Young Americans for Freedom, and have been trying, as a boomer, trying to get into the hearts of the millennials and the Zoomers to awaken them to exactly what you just summarized. Look, Antifa claims they're anti-Nazi. Who the hell isn't an anti-Nazi in this day and age? We're all anti-Nazis. But the origin of Antifa is actually Marxism. These are Marxists. These are Leninists. These are Maoists. And the, the original Antifa were there were two bad ideologies, Antichrist ideologies in the streets of Germany, and the Nazis won out in the end. So the modern-day Antifa is nothing more than a modern manifestation or a postmodern manifestation of a vile Antichrist philosophy. It is why Christians and the Judeo-Christian worldview is very much persona non grata in our classrooms, in our churches. Ironically, I should say classrooms in, in uh, um, churches, but I mean classrooms in our culture, but also churches. I say churches because a lot of churches have been infiltrated by a lot of this political correctness that causes a lot of leadership to be afraid to actually speak out against this. Who's going to speak out against black lives? My God, we, we, we know the teachings of Martin Luther King. If we get into his letters from a Birmingham jail or his wonderful I Have a Dream speech, it, it, it exudes uh, the Judeo-Christian worldview. He quotes uh, Amos and Isaiah and the Psalms. He, he invokes Augustine and Aquinas in his, in his writings. Uh, but to this day and age, the Black Lives Matter movement, which claims to be trained in Marxist ideology, they, they might use the rhetoric of the civil rights movement, but their actions and their worldview is very much anti-Christian, anti-Western civilization. They've even had to expunge from their website these things that I chronicle in my book, Mob Rule. Same thing with 1619 Project, uh, it, Nicole Hannah-Jones. She herself has erased many of the things she's tweeted about slavery being the foundation of the nation in 1619. And she not, denies now saying things she said back then. They, we are exposing them for the liars and the deceivers that they are, and we know who the great deceiver is. And he's manifested in these movements today in America. Folks, if you want to unmask the mob, you can get this book. It's available at Amazon right now. It's called Mob Rule. That's the name. It's author Jake Jacobs has been our guest here today uh, on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Been too long, brother, since we reconnected. Uh, good luck with the book, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it'll do great. I remember the first one very, very well. It's good to see you, Jake. Take care. All right. God Thank bless. You. Shalom, Steve. You bet. God bless. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation. His mood about what happens after Amy Comey Barrett and all, I believe his words are all hell breaking loose. Mm -hmm. I mentioned last week, I, I'm whatever return to normalcy all our, all of us are trying to get to me with two daughters in high school and figuring out, uh, uh, a college and a possible uh, sports scholarship and thinking about that future, the stuff you've thought about ever since you decided to have a family. But that's, I can't get away from the all hell breaking loose. Like, how, how much of that good old reality, that Saturday evening post reality is going to be left for us because we are fighting at an existential level for what we believe in. Yeah. And, and there's this old, um, I don't want to call it a cliche because it's not a cliche, but kind of an, an axiom that we've posited on this show. And I've heard you posit it uh, for, even before I, I started working for you, which is 
We're all living in a theocracy, and every government under the sun lives in a theocracy. It just depends on who the Theo is. Yes. I haven't said that in many years, but yes. But and this is this is becoming more and more apparent. The more that capital P progressivism infiltrates and spreads its tentacles into our lives and into and and exerts its force and flexes its muscles in our lives as well it's not an ideology it's a religion you can you can point to any number of observances of that religion especially this year when it comes to the black lives matter protests they are just practicing they are this that is the what do you call them todd that's the sacraments they're they're (laughs) they're partaking in sacraments there they have their lit their liturgical uh, practices as well. When you see people go up in front of crowds, repeat after me as you raise your fist in the, that's their liturgy yeah. as well. And, and put a bow on this too. 1619 project, 1619 project. I've referred to this as what's what amounts to a papal encyclical from the New York times yeah. Yeah. to the, to the nation's schools as well. All right. The encyclical, this is the instructions that you must base your education on from henceforth. So it is in every way, shape or form a rivalry religion. Every government in all of human history up until the late 18th century. And pretty much with, this one example aside has continued this trend has either claimed to be directly empowered by God claimed to represent God or to replace God. So empowered represent or replace every government, every human government has done that. One government broke the mold with that. This one, this one said that God pre-exists its notions, that these rights were already revealed in nature, by the laws of nature and nature's God. And therefore, government isn't a representative of God. Government isn't divinely, this government is not divinely ordained by God to rule. That this government is accountable to God, just as the people are, for protecting their God-given rights. That's what broke the mold. And that's really what's at stake in this generation. That civic assertion or creed changed the course of human history. And that's why it's so unique. That's why we are exceptional. That's what Chesterton meant when he said, Ours is the only country ever founded on a creed. I just gave it to you. That is it. And that's my. That's why it must be destroyed. Yes. And that's why I have such pause about it, the return to normalcy. For, for how long? You have to understand, what you've seen with Sweden has to be destroyed because it's practiced actual science with COVID and isn't allowed to be the control yeah. group that shows that the rest of their scientism is a scam. We've been the same thing for the last 240 yes. years. We're the control group here. That shows history is not simply a struggle between the haves and the have-nots. That history is not simply a will to power. That more is happening here on this earth. We have been the control group for the last 240 years to push back on that leftist view. That's why we have to be destroyed as well. Yes, exactly right, Todd. Hour two is next.
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. You can also, uh, if you are a podcast listener, we appreciate you. You can also show your appreciation for us by hitting that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet, wherever you prefer to podcast, and then leaving us a five-star review as well. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of you have done these things for the show. We could use thousands upon thousands upon thousands of more because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. Thanks to all of you that uh, that has done that for us already. You'll have to forgive me. Got a little uh, lip smackage here. Because during the break, I had me a Bill Bar. Flavor I've not tried yet. The Cherry Barcia. See what they did there, by the way? I do. Yeah. You ever had those twin beings we sell here in Iowa that are made in Iowa? You ever had those? No. Have you had those, Aaron? I've heard of them. They're really good. If you like chocolate- like the cherry thing. Yeah, yeah. chocolate-covered cherry things. They're really good. All right? This came pretty close to that, man. And it's a protein bar. I mean, it was really good. I am excited mm. that these guys are on board now. Like, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I, like, I don't support anything on our show unless I think it's a good product. But this one- I mean, I'm. I was already in before we even started this. Pumpkin okay. spice is getting a little jealous right now. It it wants your unrequited love back. No, it it does. It does. <laughs> it's good. It's. It has nothing to worry about. Yes, I've got a big heart. You might want to pull it aside and whisper some sweet nothings. It's a little sensitive right now. <laughs> so I mentioned this at the top of the show. Built Bar is our brand new partner here on the show, and I promise you, you have never had a protein bar this good before. Because I've tried pretty much all of them. And there's a lot of great tasting ones, but then can you digest it at the same time? Often I could not. This one is gentle on the digestive system, and it also tastes great with a wide range of flavors. I've got another one set aside for after the show, and that will be the pumpkin chocolate chip cookie one. That's really, really good. All right. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have now up to 18 amazing flavors and and they're just phenomenal all right if you want to try them they're all covered in 100 chocolate uh they're soft easy to chew you don't have that chalky aftertaste or none of that that you're used to with protein bars all of them that i've seen so far are well under 200 calories so if you want to give them a shot uh here's all you need to do go to built bar one word, Built Bar, just like it sounds. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. Get 20% off your order at, at BuiltBar.com with the promo code DACE. And I'm trying to think, forgive me, I got a little tongue-tied tongue, tongue tied trying to figure out, hey, what flavors to recommend. I've not tried a bad one yet. I have a few that I like more than others, but I mean, they're all good. I mean, so if you get to, you know, the the variety box, I would recommend that. But um, uh, they're phenomenal. If you're into coconut stuff, you're going to love like the coconut almond. If you're, I think I mentioned this last hour, if you like Mounds or Almond Joy bars, these are great. All right. Promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E at BuiltBar.com. All right. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll have some Pop Culture Tuesday. It's interesting. We're going back to school. 
we're going back to games now. If you've been watching more and more college football games, um, Kyle Field in College Station, Texas, was only at 25% capacity. Oh, really? On Saturday <laughs> against the Florida Gators. God bless them. That's the biggest, that's the that's the most impressive 25% capacity in American history. <laughs> was at Kyle Field on Saturday. All right, but it's funny how... Rounding error, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure that's what it was. They, yeah, yes, thank you, Aaron or Todd. Forgot your name. Yeah, uh, uh, you're that Mormon guy, right? That's me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Catholic yeah. guy. Thank you. Yeah, the Catholic guy. Yeah, I got in trouble against him once. Yeah, right. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> the one good thing if he does become president, every time we can't remember something, we can just pawn it off on him and pulling a Biden, right? But um, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, everything is kind of slowly but surely trace amounts at least of getting back to normal except movie theaters disney announced yesterday to its shareholders that it's going to prioritize streaming now for the foreseeable future um even for new releases and maybe it'll put some in the theaters as well but that's going to be their priority now um regal the number two theater chain in the country has shut down all their north american theaters to the end of the year or at least until Christmas, waiting to see if they'll get Wonder Woman 1984 or not. What is, what, what is, because have you guys been inside, of, well, not recently, but inside a movie theater before, right? There's literally hundreds, if not thousands of seats in there, right? Yeah. It would seem that social distancing in there is pretty simple to accomplish, right? Yeah. It would seem like it. Well, it's no different than the football games that I've seen where they're just spread out all over the upper yeah. deck and everything. Yeah. For some odd reason, though, it's this is the one area that is not rebounding in our economy. So we're going to discuss that for Pop Culture Tuesday. And, you know, you've heard me say before over the years, there's the real reason, then there's the right reason. I mean, the right reason that the that the studios are telling you they're not putting their big budget films out is because... L.A. and New York, their top two markets, won't reopen the theaters. And until they do, they won't put the movies out because that just takes too big of a, a crack out of the nut that they need uh, to make their money. Eh, I don't know. Really? You're sh- uh, I mean, you kind of had me convinced yeah. so you're on that one. I mean, I'm I would- beginning to doubt okay. that. Okay. So we're going to discuss that here at the bottom of the hour. But let's get to fake news or not. We're back to normal, regular order this week with fake news or not. I have uh, compiled a list of five clips. These are all from, because we don't fact check enemy media. So these are all from media platforms or media figures that claim to represent what's left of America against the left America. And are they, I kind of cheated a little bit on one because we're going to use a video clip of a person that doesn't, that that's opposed to us it just happened to air on a platform that claims to represent us okay but are these following five clips are they fake news or not and we begin with white house chief of staff mark meadows and his refusal to talk to the media through a mask that way i can take this off the top well i'm more than 10 feet away i'm not well i'm not going to talk to the mask So, he stands to do a press gaggle, tells him he can't, they tell him he can't take his mask off inside the, I think he's in the House 
congressional building or the Rayburn Senate building. I don't know which building can't take his mask off. Somebody yells at him while I'm more than 10 feet away. He says, well, I'm not talking to the press through a mask. Fake news there or not. Todd, I'll start with you. I want to say, like, what do you want me to comment on? But you're just going to say, just comment on it. It's whatever you think is there. Yeah. yeah. Well, then it's simple. It's involving masks, so it's fake news. Do you want more? Because other than that, that's there's nothing true. You're just a blanket. Anything involving a mask, you're just voting fake news. You're not even going to look at what it says, what the claim is, the data. On its face, you're just saying you're at the point now you're just like fake news, everything. Yeah. That's... And that's that's. I'm not sound, arguing with you. I'm just. That's sounder, I'm, I'm getting. I'm trying to clarify your position. That's, that's sounder all. science than anybody else. Anybody else has. I mean, what what the journalism is. I mean, the, the groan. Oh, he said it's ten feet. Most I, all these places I go around, it's you know, it, it, you're fine. You don't need to wear a mask if you're six feet or if social distancing is possible. So what? I mean, what, what line? That's what, what line do you want me to comment on? And as soon as you say it, it's going to get moved. It doesn't matter. What about that? And that we're talking about cultish thinking. That was a cult right there. And thank, I guess, I mean, Mark Meadows, he's, we shouldn't be building statues of that guy anytime soon, but I guess true news for him not playing in that moment, but it involves mass. So it's all fake. Aaron? Yeah, it's it's fake. I, I agree it's fake for slightly different reasons. I mean, I don't know if he's trying to make a, a point or if he actually believes the science behind social distancing and masks. But he's like, hey, I'm following one where if the social distancing doesn't work, then why do we have or if the social distancing doesn't work, uh, then why are we doing it? If it does, then why do I need a mask if I'm more than six feet away from you? And that I. Can we just play that back again, actually? You bet. That way I can take this off the top. (laughs) Oh! Oh! It's hilarious. That way I can take this off the top. (laughs) Some panicked person in the back. Oh! I mean, the whole thing is just... The whole thing is fake. Basically for the same reasons as, as Todd said. Okay. It is settled then. Here's clip number two. Will ACB undo RBG? And equality. She stood up for the rights of women. She protected workers. She fought for the rights of consumers against big corporations. She supported LGBTQ rights. And she did so much more. But now, her legacy and the rights she fought so hard to protect are in jeopardy by replacing Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg with someone who will undo her legacy. President Trump is attempting to roll back Americans' rights for decades to come. Every American must understand that with this nomination, equal justice under law is at stake. Side question, was that the most obvious teleprompter read in the history of presidential politics. Well, she's running with Joe but, Biden. Yeah, so. she wasn't doing, you know, this thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so will ACB undo RBG as Vice President-in-waiting Kamala Harris, according to the polls anyway, uh, is claiming? Aaron, you go first this time. What do you think? 
Um, if the god of the handmaid tale loves us, yes, uh, or whatever that uh, I don't know, I have no I believe idea. it's handmaidens. Had hand, no, it's handmaid. Uh, had, Is it handmaids? It's handmaid's tale. Uh, I believe this maidens. entire last 30 seconds brought to you by the patriarchy. Uh, yes. We are yeah. we are so drunk on our own patriarchal heteronormative dominatrix impulses. We don't even know the name of the show that is panning us. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if Allah <laughs> loves us, then uh, yes. I, I mean, everything that I've seen from ACB so far, I mean, just this notion alone. And I had these clips in the montage. She's only she's going to be the only sitting justice that does not hail from Yale or Harvard. So you're saying there's a chance. So you you bet your sweet bippy. And then she threw in, uh, I'm sure we can hold our own and I'll teach you a thing or two about football, too. That's that's a yo. That's a yo right there. She just she's different. And um, I, I think absolutely she has a chance to roll back rbg's uh legacy todd yeah that's true news uh the, the, the after watching her myself uh this morning uh with my wife my wife flat out said i want one of those acb uh t-shirts she said this woman is incredible she doesn't have any uh notes uh she's just so calm she can't be baited uh and the the fact that she has a well-worn legacy of not taking the bait of what she needs to do to be successful. Mm -hmm. She didn't forgo a family life. She didn't go to the Ivy league schools. Uh, it, there's a reason to hope now, listen, she's, she's one of nine or one of 20 or John whatever Roberts we is still do. Chief justice. Yeah. John Roberts is still chief justice. But if we, if we just do the one for one, it, it should happen. Anything short of that will be a failure on both Donald Trump's and her part. All right, Todd, this one goes to you. The American people are not morons, or are they? And I know it must hurt for someone of deep Christian faith like yourself to be called a religious bigot and to have it implied that because you are a devout Christian, that you're somehow unfit for public service. Uh, before it's over with, they may call you Rosemary's baby, for all I know. I hope not. Um, and, and I know, as we've seen this morning, I know you think it's unfair. It is unfair for my colleagues to suggest, uh, some overtly, some more indirectly, that if you're put on the United States Supreme Court, you will be on a mission from God to deny health care coverage for pre-existing con uh, conditions for every American. I, I know that seems preposterous to you, and it seems that way because it is. Um, take comfort in the fact that the American people, some of my colleagues disagree with the statement, they believe in government. I believe in people. The American people are not morons. Todd? Mm, I do. I love Senator Kennedy. It seems the way he talks, no matter what venue he's in, it's if he 
he was cast like it to be in Lincoln in the Congress, you know, just, he's just like, it seems like he would have just been beyond time and talked that way. Uh, I, unfortunately though, I'm just going to hang my hat on the last part. And Steve, you said you teed that one up for me. The American people are morons a lot of the time. Now I'm banking them on not being based on what I think they're going to do in this election. And we're going to flesh that out day by day. But it seems like what I'm seeing is that they aren't morons enough to simply commit the kind of suicide that would be required to give this over to the left. But Aaron likes to talk about this a lot about we wouldn't be in this position where we are existentially Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for Mm -hmm. Americans largely being morons. I wish that weren't true. But I'm just, on that last part, I know where his heart was on that, and it was about a specific thing. But I'm going to just go more broadly and say, unfortunately, it is true. Um, yeah, I'm going to do the whole uh, all lives matter. Th- all people are morons um, to some extent. The, the funny thing is, is that people, the elitists in Washington and the left, uh, I repeat myself, uh, redundancy <laughs> department uh, check, um, they think the American people are morons for different reasons <laughs> that I think if we assented to that, then that we would say. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to agree with Todd and call this fake news. Do you ever do the shopping cart in the uh, in the parking lot corral check? Do you ever do that at Costco, Steve or Todd? Do you ever see how many how many par- how many uh, shopping carts are just left out strewn across the par- parking lot? On a basic level, on a basic level, people just in mass now not not everybody but in mass a growing number of people can't even put the grocery shopping cart back in the corral now are there are those morons or intellectually lazy people yes <laughs> yeah. i mean morons would know where to put the carts intellectually lazy people just don't want to those are two different things right oh. Maybe. See, the mistake to be made is we're obviously, and if you watch the show regularly, you know, we're not making an argument for the expert expert class. The expert class is no. morons on steroids. Yeah. Yes. It's the same d- disease, uh, but we can't, listen, if we had a robust uh, people, Steve, I, I can't get out of my head what you said before about we're the control group. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... And we were the control group because of that. We weren't so it's your country. You're not morons. We trust you. We've given a lot of that away. And that's on us. All right, next clip. Um, is the COVID stimulus bill still alive? Well, no, I don't think it's dead at all. I spoke to Secretary Mnuchin last evening. Look, don't forget, uh, the Republicans in the Senate put up their own bill a few weeks ago and got 53 votes, I think it was. So they united. I think if an agreement can be reached, 
they will go along with it. Look, the, the issue here, and I don't understand this, uh, my Democratic friends, Speaker Pelosi and so forth, we're asking for some targeted areas of assistance that would help this recovery. It is a V-shaped recovery, but there are key areas that could help. One, let's add on to unemployment assistance. The president's executive order is not going to go forever. Two, everybody, I mean, everybody in the world wants additional uh, loans to small business. They will be forgivable loans, the so-called PPP uh, program. Uh, those are things that everybody absolutely wants. Number three, the president is in favor of direct mail checks to provide, again, some more temporary economic assistance. All right. So the president said last week, hey, I've told my people to stop negotiating with Nancy Pelosi in Congress. We'll take our case to the American people and then do another stimulus after the election. That's his chief economic advisor, though, Larry Kudlow, appearing with CNN, saying it's not dead at all. We're still working on it with um, it's it's is it labor secretary or commerce secretary Mnuchin? Which one is he? I can't remember. Uh, commerce. OK, so. Fake news or not, Todd, is there? Is it still alive that there could be another COVID stimulus bill between now and the election, which is three weeks from today? Oh, it's not alive. So that's that's fake news. I mean, there's just there's no way the Democrats look at what this party is uh, doing to Amy Comey Barrett. To look at what they're uh, signing off on with uh, BLM and Antifa. There, what, where, how would they come to the table? on a basic fundamental bread and butter issue when they have so little respect for the American people as a whole. You don't go, I am the Senate, and then say, yeah, sure, let's come, let us reason together. So are you saying we finally found a government expenditure the Democrats won't vote well, for? You started off the show, your very first number one of your list of 20, Orange Man Bad. That's yes. All, that's it. Yeah. All right. What do you think, Aaron? Is it dead or is it still alive, as Larry Kudlow claims? Oh, it's it's still alive. Never underestimate um, both Republicans and Democrats, but whoever's in control's um, ability to, to strike a deal, to put money in the pockets of people right before an election, uh, no matter what that, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, deal may actually comprise, even if it's literally funding the uh, Democratic Socialists of America or just anything crazy like that. Never underestimate the uh, the motivation that elections seemingly give to political parties, especially the ones in charge to uh, to spend money. Well, one quick question, Steve. Do you, we haven't talked about it at all. The it, polling word on the street on the House. What, where do you have any idea on? There's been like no seats. talk about it. In right. my circles, really, at all. Okay, well, that's. Yeah. I, may, I guess, in theory, I'm not saying, because I don't know anything, if the Democrats suddenly felt that they might lose the House, oh, then they'd let, then they'd rain money on See, people, I was going to actually, I was going to go a, a little towards where you're at, but tie it directly to Trump, which is that if his polling numbers improved publicly, I could see the odds of a last-minute COVID deal going up. For, because you have to understand that Senate elections are miniature electoral college elections, right? Statewide elections, same exact voters. I, if, if his polling numbers were to improve and it looked like the public perception was he had a realistic chance to be reelected, right now the public perception is not that, okay? So 
key phrase there being public perception. I'm talking about what the public perception is. Mm-hmm. The public perception is he does not have a realistic chance to be reelected uh, within the within the media industrial complex that these politicians live in. Okay, if that were to be different, then I could see a last minute deal being struck because Democrats are saying, "Hey, you know, let's protect our own." Right. What you just said, let's protect our own seats, the ground that we've already gained uh, to gear to tunker down for the next four years. But as long as the media industrial complex just makes it look like it's a fait accompli, they're going to win everything on November the third, then they have no incentive right. to cut any deal at all, give him any credit for it at all, and then just wait until after they get the results they want, come in January and do the exact deal that they want, and then put and give all the credit to themselves. Right. That's correct. All right. We've saved one more, and it's about UFOs. Final question, Mr. President. I want to end. I want to end on a on a lighter note, a mysterious subject, if you will. Uh, can you explain why the Department of Defense has set up a UFO tax force? Uh, here's what I've got from the Guardian: The U.S. Department of Defense has formed a new body to investigate what it calls unidentified aerial phenomena to monitor reported sightings of what most people call UFOs. Mr. President, as we wrap up here, are there UFOs? Well, I'm going to have to check on that. I mean, I've heard that. I heard that two days ago, so I'll check on that. I'll, I'll take a good, strong look at that. But uh, I will tell you this. Uh, uh, we now have created a military, the likes of which we've never had before, in terms of equipment, the, the equipment that we have, the uh, weapons that we have, and hopefully, hope to God, we never have to use them. But we have created a military, the likes of which nobody has nobody has ever had. Russia, China, they're all envious of what we've had, all built in the USA. We've rebuilt it $2.5 trillion. As far as the other question, I'll check on it. I heard, a, I heard about it two days ago. Fake news or not, Aaron? Uh, it's fake news. There's absolutely UFOs uh, out there. Um, Hasn't the government actually, the Department of Defense, has official position is that UFOs exist now, right? I don't know. I I really, if I could like bet on some angle of it or put down a few shekels, if Vegas made some odds, I would be a little bit more interested, but it's just kind of just another thing at this point. Yeah. Not really a big deal, whether there's life out there in the universe other than us, right? Todd? This is... True news and that, once again, Trump is kind of tone deaf. You know, if you want to broadcast a message, bring new people in, biggest military ever comparison. I'm pro-military, but you're you're comparing it to Russia and China. You know, not really the optics you're looking for. But why aren't you, you – if you want people who have either never voted or think – start talking about UFO task force, space force, all of this stuff like – Would you t- think if his – would you think – this is what struck me about the clip. What did you think about his deflection away from the topic whole cloth? What did you think about that? Well, obviously, I just thought it was a missed opportunity, but I know you're the UFO guy, so you were thought, oh, that you instantly – like five seconds into the end, oh, there's definitely aliens. That's what you thought, right? Because of him, I just I thought it was a fascinating because you said deflection. You're seeing it the opposite as me. Like there's, there's like Donald Trump would normally go like yeah. babbling on, and yeah. since he didn't, he like yeah. knows like that we how, were seated by aliens or is, something. How often have you seen Trump uh, not take follow canards, not follow red herrings, oh not chase after them? 
Does he do this on a regular basis, Todd? Show that level of message discipline, Todd? Does he or not? Answer that question, please, sir. Does he or not? Now on the Art Bell right. Show. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's a separate issue. <laughs> At the very least, I, I know. there was extraordinary focus and message I was discipline trying to from Donald Trump there. Extraordinary. You I don't typically see that. I was trying to sprint through the graveyard and you would not let me. Can we go to break with the uh, theme song from Midnight Express by Giorgio Moroder? The Department of Defense's official position is that they do exist, by the way. Do we have a west of the Rockies, east of the Rockies number? Thank you. That yeah. That is the Department of Defense's official position. I just thought of all the things and moments in this guy's entire presidency when and that we have sat there and literally silently prayed or or verbally begged aloud, don't! Right? No! Right? How many times? Right? And this is the moment of all things at all times. This is the moment when he doesn't take the bait and swerves right to his own message instead in his own talking points. So. We were off the, the Russian collusion was not off the mark. We, we really have alien collusion. This is what's been happening. I, I have not seen it yet. I don't know if any of you in the audience have. Apparently there's this new documentary out with all kinds of members of the Department of Defense, elected officials called Phenomenon. Well, that, get, that, get back about to this, us. huh? Get back to us. This is one of the things, <laughs> guys. Within the next week, you need to watch this. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'll have time in the next week, but I'm sure I will at some point. All right, we'll come back, play some Pop Culture Tuesday in a moment. Stay tuned. Todd, get ready. We're about to do our daily uh, box check here. So just get ready. Uh, Hey, trying to sell your home in any economic environment can be difficult, can be challenging. Finding a real estate agent that you can trust to help you with that can be difficult, can be challenging. But especially in these unprecedented times. Bing. Got it. All right. Uh, it's even more so, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why you want to see if you can find an agent out there that you can trust. Now, where would you find a, a real estate agent that you could trust? Well, the name kind of says it all. Just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. This site was started because there were people out there like you, tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the promised results when they were needed the most. And so they said, out they embarked upon a mission uh, in order to find agents around the country with proven vetted track records so that anywhere uh, just about anywhere i'm sure there are some places that uh, even the vast tentacles of the blaze cannot reach some remote outpost you wish to move to where we cannot help but chances are if you want to move somewhere here in the United States, we can find for you a real estate agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. Each week, we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And we have an email from Jerry Davis who says, Why has the panic porn and fear-mongering worked on movie theaters and not other businesses. Walmarts are packed. Grocery stores are packed. 
Convenience stores are crowded. Costco's and Sam's Clubs are, are, are crowded. Restaurants are rebounding now. On and on. Yet the one business that doesn't seem to be rebounding right now, movie theaters. Is it simply the panic porn or is something else going on here? It doesn't help when popular YouTube movie reviewers like John Campia and Grace Randolph. Now, if you're not into fanboy movies, you don't know those names. If you are like I am, you know those names. Okay. And they have substantial social media followings. They make it sound like going to the movies is like playing Russian roulette or going into a gas chamber uh, with certain death waiting for you and your family. I've been to the theaters at least once a week. Most weeks, they're safe and clean, and I've been doing it since May when Georgia opened them. So what's really going on here? Is it just panic porn or an attempt to destroy the movie theater industry or both? So I'm going to lay out what I think is going on here, and then you guys can respond, all right? Because, Jerry, I think the answer to your question is, of course, yes. There's the real reason at play here, and then there's the right reason. Uh, the, the right reason we're being told that the studios will not put out their films, and they have now almost an entire year of a catalog. They just put out the trailer for the new Dune movie like two weeks ago. They've now delayed it till next fall. They put out a three-minute, Warner Brothers did a dynamite three-minute trailer of the new Batman film that we talked about at the time and lit the world on fire, right? That movie's now not coming out for almost two more years. I think it's now March of 2022. And on and on it goes. Disney announced yesterday that its focus is now going to be streaming for the foreseeable future and theater theatrical releases are now ancillary to their core mission. Building Disney Plus is what they're really about now. So I, I, I think some of this is virus-related, meaning that the idea that L.A. and New York, Regal Cinemas is blaming New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, California Governor An um, uh, uh, Gavin Newsom for not letting theaters reopen, as to why they closed their entire theater chain down a couple of weeks ago. They're the number two theater chain in the country. So you have a, a vicious cycle here where the, the theater chains struggle to stay open without major new releases. But the studios don't want to put out major new releases unless the theater chains are open. And so who's going to blink first? Who's going to go first here? And right now, I, I don't know that there are any major releases on the horizon until at least November. Uh, we were supposed to get the next Bond film. That was already pushed back six months. It's been pushed back again. I mean, Wonder Woman 1984 has been delayed three times. And now a lot of industry people don't believe it's coming out on Christmas either. I think you'll know if it's coming out on Christmas on November the 3rd. Catch my drift here. Where I'm going with this. All right. See, I, I think that's the that's the 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 right reason that movie theaters aren't rebounding. The idea you can't social distance in there, you can social distance inside a movie theater a hell of a lot easier than you can at a Walmart checkout lane, for example. And you've ever been to Walmart? The great thing about Walmart is you know there's two checkout counters open and only two, no matter what time of day or night you're there. It's two and only two. So wait in line, okay? Here's what I think is the real reason of what's happening 
part of this is you have psychosis times psychosis. Meaning, in the battle of whether or not to play college football, you have largely freedom-loving fans and players versus panic porn, stricken, shut it all down, left-wing universities. At some point in that interaction, sanity is going to prevail because market forces will eventually come into play and there's too much money to say no to. And we saw that play itself out, right? This summer, right? Yes. Okay. Clumsily, but you saw that ultimately play itself out. In the movie theater, in the movie industry, it's psychosis on psychosis. Meaning it's left-wing studios producing with it's a left-wing industry with a versus a largely left-wing industry there's really no there's no levy in there there's no third party in there christopher nolan god bless him tried to do this he wanted to be the guy that reopened theaters in the country and said it was safe to go back with tenet and was adamant okay and Tenet's not a very good movie, by the way, but it's still going to make something like $300 million worldwide. But its domestic sales, its initial week got off to a pretty strong start considering the limited amount of theaters open in America. But then the word of mouth was so bad that the movie didn't do good domestically. And that gave everybody the excuse not to put anything else out ever since. Because who's going to blink here? It's It's... it's Panic porn peddlers versus panic porn voters. So who's the voice that says, what market force comes into play? What SEC, ACC, Big 12 drags the Big 10 kicking and screaming back into the season? There isn't one here. It's just a circular firing squad of psychosis. And yes, they all love money more than they love their politics. We've seen that over and over again, right? They they love to kvetch about their political messages at their award shows. When they when they give awards to movies, none of us actually went and saw. But when it comes time to make their money, money as as my buddy Dr. Ted Bear has said, so many has chronicled for years and years and years. When it comes time to make the vast majority of the money that they want every year, whose values do they actually typically put on film? Ours. But there's, there's, there's no market force here demanding you do better, differently. And, and, and especially now, if, if, this, if we had this pandemic eight or seven or eight, ten years ago, I think the theaters would be back open by now and movies would be uh, getting released by now because streaming was not what it, what it is today. They, that that idea of, that you could actually sustain a major film studio, let alone Disney talking about sustaining the largest movie studio in the world with streaming, was just not feasible seven, eight, ten years ago. There wasn't enough high-speed internet access, etc. And so eventually the market forces would have been, we're just going to go bankrupt, guys. We got to bite the bullet and do it. Like, I can't recreate the NBA Finals on my own. I, I can't do that. I can't recreate an NFL season on my own. I can't, I can't come up with an ancillary setting 
to play out the NBA, to play out the the, the NFL season. They have to do it. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. All right. And so market forces are still at play there. There is still a market incentive for the NBA to build a bubble. There is still a market incentive for the NFL to push through and have a season. There is no such market incentive in the movie industry. Because on top of their combined political psychosis, streaming has taken off now. Which incentivizes them to continue with their various psychoses. And then I think there's another factor at play here. And, and that is, I think these studios see this as an opportunity to drive the theater chains out of business. Not because they want to close the movie houses, because while we can stream, you cannot recreate the experience of going in and seeing Avengers Endgame for the first time on an IMAX with 2,000 people and the energy and the... They'll they'll lose out on money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 1% of Americans can recreate that experience in their own homes. Maybe 1% can. All right? See, I think they want to drive the theater chains to bankruptcy so that they can then own the chains and can own both ends of it. I know right now there's laws and regulations that say they can't do that. But I think those regulations and everything will be gone in the next election regardless, after this next election, regardless of who wins. I think President Biden would lift those just because he's friendly to the movie industry. And I think President Trump would just end them because he's friendly to capitalism. See what I'm saying? And I think the opportunity for, say, even maybe a Netflix or an Amazon to let AMC theaters, the number one theater chain, collapse. Come in and buy them at a bankruptcy court for, for pennies on the dollar. Or for Warner Brothers to do that. Or Disney to do it. Or Universal to do it. See, I, I think that this is also you never let a good crisis go to waste. So, I think the real reasons that the movie industry is struggling to recover is everybody involved in both the production and distribution of the films are all in on the panic porn, virtue signaling, mask, cult, psychosis. And and because of the increasing popularity of streaming, there isn't a pressure point to get them to say, well, I eventually I just got to make a buck. It, everything is incentivized to continue to hunker down and and stay within their cult. But then I think you have opportunists at places like Netflix, Amazon, and these movie studios that want to see Cinemark, Regal, AMC go under. And then they just buy these chains and receiverships in bankruptcy courts for pennies on the dollar. I think that's what's really happening here. Gentlemen, your thoughts? I think that's astute. Same thing happened with a certain hotel chain early on in the in the pandemic, and I cannot remember the name of the person, but you well, the guy that it. went on CNBC, and I called and, that. Yeah. yeah, and you called that. Because here's the thing. These movie uh, companies, they still need theaters in order for their uh, tentpole franchises and tentpole attractions and tentpole movies to be effective. Because what happens, you're not going to make a billion dollars on the release of a digital version of Avengers Endgame, are you? I don't, I don't think so. Nope. Because you can pay 20 bucks and have 10 friends over instead of each friend paying 10 bucks. And you, know, you see what I'm saying here? Yep. And so instead of uh, if you released all movies like that, 
uh, your profit gaps would look, or your profit uh, margins would look a little bit like this instead of like this, and then maybe back down here like that. You know, you'd, you'd get those spikes. You're just not going to make that much money. And you cannot afford, if you are the movie companies as well, to let these theaters go out of business and then some other company buy up all these theaters as well, and then you've got no place to run your movies. Your, your next Avengers Endgame or your next Star Wars movie or your next DC movie as well. You've got no place to run those and your prof- your profitability or at least your uh, opportunity to profit is severely diminished. So even though right now at this particular moment in time, and it could just be because 2020 is not necessarily, other than uh, 1984, Wonder Woman 1984, Tenet, uh, maybe a f- there are a few others, 2020 is not that huge of a year for movies, unless I'm mistaken. No. Um, So I I think it's just the perfect storm right now for these movie companies. Right now, they don't need the theaters, but in the future, they certainly do, but they can afford to wait. Well, the theaters certainly cannot. See, I've learned quite a bit about the movie business here in the last few months. And one of the things I've learned is theater chains take 40% off the top from a ticket sale. All right, for distribution. If if I'm a major studio and I buy these chains, I'm recouping that 40%. I'm not giving it to them anymore, huh. right? Yeah. So I just let them collapse in a pandemic. I let them go into bankruptcy. I buy them in a receivership for pennies on the dollar. And then in the future, every time I put out, when I put out the next Avengers movie, the next Marvel movie, the next Wonder Woman, the next Lord of the Rings, name a franchise, Star Wars, I'm not giving 40% to Regal Cinemas or AMC or Cinemark anymore. I'm putting all that money right back in my own pocket. Market forces aren't what they once were. This is it. This is why I think the return to normalcy is so uncertain. Market forces used to be Michael Jordan. Republicans buy shoes too. Now, Mike, market forces are LeBron James. China is God, and in most places in America are racist. That's not sustainable. That's not predictable. And that's what I'm hearing from you on some level with the, the tailspin we're going in, in into with the movie industry. The, the thumb, the fist on the scale, does, that does not allow a free market to exist. It, to some extent, yeah. Yeah. I mean, tell me who, who's the rival movie studio? Because here's the other thing. Any of the actors you would want all belong to the Screen yep. Actors Guild yep. Union. So. Okay. So if you had like a rival renegade studio that wanted to take advantage of these times and say, hey, this is the moment for us to step yeah. forward while you guys are all sitting out. What talent would they go out there and acquire? Because this, the SAG rules say you can't do this, right? This is why I am worried about college football. Uh, it's going to take them longer to figure it out, but it's on colleges with the man children as you've talked about that have been totally like concussions and believing that somehow they're hostages and not privileged to play this sport it's going to take them some but they're coming for that too because you know they want that scalp good question jerry hey that'll do it for today's show we are back at it again tomorrow noon to two eastern right after glenn beck here on blaze tv radio and podcast until then john 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.